Hey everyone, it's Mac, and welcome back to Master of a Few, the podcast where the curious mind meets too much time. So I kind of lied to you guys last week, but only kind of. I said I was going to make a segment specifically about being trans because I'm going to the Philly Trans Health Conference, but as I was thinking about it, I realized I want to focus a little more broadly. I don't know about you, but one of my least favorite things in the world is writing those little biography things for websites or conferences or about the author type things. Or when I meet somebody and the first thing they say is, so tell me a little bit about yourself. In those moments, I'm usually only able to remember about, maybe, two facts about myself. Those usually being my name and my age, and even that's usually off by a year or so. So there are very few things more difficult for me than talking about my own identity. So what the heck, let's give it a shot. One of the first, one of the most frustrating statements that I've heard thrown at LGBTQ people over the years is the phrase, why can't your identity just be in Christ? There are many things wrong with that statement. First of all, my identity is found in Christ, but I'm not a one-dimensional human being. Second, the fact that my identity as a Christian is not my only identity is not a sin. Check out the fact that the Gospels are quite quick to let us know what the disciples did for a living. Heck, it even tells us what Jesus did for a living. Lastly, if people are going to hold LGBT people to this ridiculous one-dimensional identity, then they better stop talking about their jobs, their hobbies, their interests, their lives as a parent, a student, a child, a sibling, because their identity must only be found in Christ. Okay, small rant over with. That being said, a huge part of my identity is that I am a Christian. I'm proud to be a Christian, and I want to be identified as a follower of Christ. Now, unfortunately, that can come with some unpleasant assumptions, but so do most identities. Being a Christian has been one of the most influential aspects of my identity and helps shape all of the others. One of which being the fact that I am a student. When I finish undergrad and grad school, fingers crossed, I will have spent around 25 to 28 years of my life as a student. Give or take, I guess I wasn't a student for like the first four years of my life, but you know what I mean. It's been a huge part of my who I am for all of my memorable life. It means that I'm busy five days a week and doing homework, or should be, the other two. It means that I've spent a whole lot of money. It means that I'm determined, that I'm educated and working on it, that I value education, and that I have goals. But, they, but it isn't a permanent part of my identity. There's eventually going to be a time when I am no longer a student, which is scary and coming up, which is weird. But it's going to change because this is a vocational part of my identity, which means it's going to develop over the years. And while that can be difficult, it's a sign that I'm growing up and becoming more myself. Another changing aspect of my identity has been my identity in regards to relationships. This one's kind of trippy to me. Because four years ago, I would have said that in my relationships, I was a friend, a daughter, a granddaughter, a niece, a cousin, a sister, and a girlfriend. But now, I would say those have changed to a friend, a son, a grandson, a nephew, a cousin, a brother, a boyfriend. 
Now, my identity as transgender and as male is one I've had for a long time, but it's only been recently that I've recognized it and accepted it as a part of my identity. But the title changes in my relationships are harder because those parts of my identity are highly dependent on those around me. The people I'm in relationships with, they have to change as well. My family still hasn't and I don't think they ever will but those titles, those relationships are still part of my identity. So in a nutshell, I would say that my identity is mainly as a straight, transgender, Christian man who is a student, a teacher, and a writer. Those are the parts of me that are most important. They've changed over the years, but that is my identity. I'm proud of each one of those things that makes me who I am. So what makes you who you are? Are you proud of those things or are they things that have been put on you that you're not particularly happy about? So now that we've talked about what identity is, let's talk about one of the worst feelings in the world. Let's talk about that horrible feeling you get when your identity is erased. This is where I'll keep my promise and talk more about being trans. The word dysphoria means a profound state of unease or generalized dissatisfaction, and it's something that most transgender people feel on a daily basis. It can come from someone using the wrong name, the wrong pronouns, from seeing that your body doesn't look the same way it should based on how you think about yourself in your mind, all the way down to the way that a style of clothing fits. It's very hard to describe the feeling of dysphoria to someone who's never felt it, but I'm going to try. Imagine you go to get dressed in the morning and you find that all of your clothes are now four sizes too big or four sizes too small, but that's all you have, so you have to wear them in public anyway. Or, this is a better one, imagine walking into class, you sit down, and the first thing that happens is the teacher tells everybody to turn in the 10-page paper that's due and you had no idea it was even assigned. You know that sickening feeling in the pit of your stomach, that instant anxiety, that feeling like everyone is staring at you and trying to figure out what is wrong with you, that desire to shrink into the floor and just stop existing. That is what dysphoria feels like, and it can be triggered by anything. But what it really stems from is a disconnect between my identity and the way the rest of the world perceives me. It comes from a feeling of being invisible or erased. Like I said, it can be caused by anything, but the worst thing is when other people use the wrong name or the wrong pronouns for me. So we're in a pause, and I'm going to read you two poems that I've written about the feeling of being invisible or erased, and then I want to talk a little bit about them. The first one is called Nameless. Isn't it funny how identity can be dependent on a person? Isn't it funny how that person could be someone other than yourself? When the friend, parent, relative, teacher asks and instantly a face becomes a blur, a name becomes an article, a relationship becomes a word, a friend, nameless, faceless, it's just easier that way. The erasure of your personality isn't personal. The obscuring of your face is just more convenient. You are too hard to explain. The potential for disapproval outweighs your existence, reduced to one word, friend, because of one word, shame. 
They'll claim that isn't the reason. You'll say it's okay and do the same. Erase your own importance. Wipe away the shavings of your name. Let yourself become just a shadow, in indistinguishable from any other. Just a whisper. A secret. A friend. The second poem is similar, and this one's called Imaginary Friends. No one makes promises to an imaginary friend. There is always an understanding one day they will vanish and be forgotten. After all, an imaginary friend is simply a placeholder until you find the real thing. Imaginary friends are an inconvenient comfort. Always hard to explain to your friends and family why you are chuckling to yourself and smiling at thin air. In the end, that's all an imaginary friend is. Thin air that can make you laugh and smile, but can be swatted away when real people catch your attention. Late at night or when no one else is around, they are pleasant to talk to. They listen to all of your stories, laugh at all of your jokes. Imaginary friends always think you are cool. But you are careful with your imaginary friend. Make sure they don't mingle with your real life too much. After all, reality could be contagious. And if your imaginary friend grows flesh and feelings, they are harder to forget about when you are finished with them. The imaginary friend always hopes that you need them. That you think about them when you're bored or lonely. They listen to your stories, laugh at your jokes, then vanish on cue when the real friends show up. The imaginary friend would like to think they are worth more. Like the translucence of their heart can still be broken. Like maybe the real people really do care. Maybe they aren't just waiting until they no longer need the imaginary friend to appear and make it better. The imaginary friend pretends to be flesh when your back is turned. Makes friends with other real people but realizes it's better if they can be blown away because having an imaginary friend speak to you is uncomfortable for everyone around. No one knows how to respond when the imaginary friend speaks. After all, they are merely a shadow of the reality you hope for. The imaginary friend is always the consolation prize, never the realized dream, but it's okay. The imaginary friend looks down at their nearly see-through skin and cannot blame you that as your eyes age, you don't see them anymore. The imaginary friend will not blame you for blushing and brushing their existence off, telling your curious friends that the smile you wear and the chuckle they hear is nothing. You will tell your imaginary friend they matter, they are real. The imaginary friend will chuckle and say they understand, it's okay. Imaginary friends are only useful for so long, enjoyed and then forgotten, but it's better that way. They will be the best friend they can be. Then watch as their transparency stops catching your eye. Fading from your memory, they will smile, say it was an honor, thank you, goodbye. Now. I'm not trying to call people out, because sometimes I get it. Some people's parents or friends might cause problems if they were to know I'm trans, and I get that the prospect of that could be scary. I used to say it was fine because I didn't want to be the cause of issues, but then I realized something. I'm not asking people to march in pride with me. I'm not asking them to tell their parents that they have radically changed their religious beliefs and philosophies. I'm not asking them to give a speech about trans inclusion. I am simply asking that people use my name when they talk about me, that they use the right pronoun for me, and that they don't switch to she and her when talking to me, talking about me to their friends. 
I'm simply asking that my identity be respected because I am a human being and I should be referred to by my name and by the correct pronouns. Not because everybody should agree with me, but simply because I am human. That is my name. Those are my pronouns. I've had people use the wrong ones for me on purpose, thinking it makes some sort of statement about how they feel about my identity, but the only statement it makes is that that person has no respect for me as a human being, and in many cases as a brother in Christ. And that says more about them than it could ever say about me. This is not something I only believe for myself or only for trans people either. I believe that everyone deserves to have their identity respected regardless of anyone else's views about it. Identity is like that permanent marker on the dry erase board. It's not going anywhere. Yes, I am aware that there are many ways to remove permanent marker from dry erase boards. Leave my attempt at a powerful metaphor alone. Thanks. Anyway, today's podcast ends with a couple challenges. Yay for audience interaction. Number one, make a list of the things that form your identity. What makes you, you? Number two, look at that list and decide which of those are important things that you're proud of and which are things that may have been forced on you. Number three, consider changing it if your list is full of things that you didn't choose to have there or want to have there or proud of. Number, I think that's four, respect your identity. Don't shrink yourself down or pretend like parts of you don't exist in an attempt to make yourself convenient or comfortable for people. You're human. You get to exist. And number five, respect the identities of those around you. Don't erase people out of fear or in an attempt for more convenience. Call people by the name they ask to be called by and don't change pronouns for people just because of who you're talking to unless that person is trans and not out yet, in which case it might be a matter of safety. It's not rude to ask. Go ahead. So I hope you enjoyed today's segment. It was kind of all over the place, but there you go. If you want to tell me a little bit about what makes you who you are, or you have questions or comments or topic ideas, etc., then head on over to Twitter, and as always, let me know at Mac of a Few. I'm off to go have an amazing time at the Philly Trans Health Conference. So have a brilliant day. Bye.